1: This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Hello, 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 this is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Many people actually believe if I get rich, then I'll be happy. Or if I meet the man or woman of my dreams, then I'll be happy. Or if Obama or Hillary gets elected, then I'll be happy. And that's really not the real life here. And so that's kind of you know fantasy land. So our guest today is Mike Lindell. Now, for those of you who live in America and primarily like Australia, New Zealand, and now England, you may know him as the gentleman with my pillow, one of the most successful product launches in history. And everybody knows who Mike Lindell is in America, Australia, New Zealand, and, and now England. And he's the inventor and. Um, CEO of MyPillow, he's an entrepreneur, speaker, and author. And MyPillow is American-made, they employ over 1,500 in his home state of Minnesota. Imagine that, 1,500 employees. And many of his employees are recovering addicts. So this man is doing a lot of social good. He's doing a fantastic job, but we're gonna talk about here that just because you're successful and rich doesn't mean you're happy. And so Mike's gonna talk about some of the challenges he's had, some of the ups and downs he's had, but more importantly, the perseverance to keep going. Any comments, Kim?
2: Oh yeah, this is gonna be a really dynamic show because Mike is quite the character and uh, quite the entrepreneur. And he has an incredible story to tell. And uh, Robert, as you're saying, for anybody who is an entrepreneur or is thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, this is going to be a great show because yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs that you face as you as you build your business. And uh, Mike has seen the ups and the downs, and uh, he sold to, he's now sold 45 million my pillows.
0: Imagine that, a category million. called pillows. I would never have thought of that. 45
2: million, Most, and infomercials, Kim, TV.
0: Kim and I own two of them.
2: <laughs> we do, so. social media, radio, he's he's everywhere. So uh, Mike, I'm I'm so proud to have you mm-hmm. on our show. Thank you for being here.
0: He's a dear friend of Donald Trump, and which gets him into a lot of trouble because <laughs> a lot of people hate Trump. Even though, you know, I mean, Mike Lindell <laughs> employs 1,500 people and the people that hate them don't employ anybody. I mean, imagine that. So Mike, right. are, you, are you an overnight success? I mean, you just said one day, wake up and say, oh, I need a new pillow, and it was overnight success. Is that your story?
3: No, that's not my story. Um, thanks for having me on, you guys. But the, it's, uh, so my. you know, we'll go right to when I invent. I was always an entrepreneur, but I never had I never had any money. I never was able to use a, a bank and, uh so I would, uh, if I, if I'd see a need for something, like my sister flooded a third story building of a waterbed back in the eighties and I became a carpet
2: cleaner. Um, <laughs> they, uh,
3: they, uh, my, uh, I worked at my uncle's farm in Iowa and he, uh, I said, why is he getting all the money? I I can go raise these pigs. And I, I went and bought feeder pigs and, uh, I put, they were at an all time high and I bought them, borrowed from a money from a bank. And that time I did borrow some money. And, uh, my, um, we we're in like, we we're kind of across where rural comes into urban, a neighborhood. And we, I put all these pigs there and they, uh, um, I had all kinds of problems. They get out all the time into people's yards. And, <laughs> well, anyway, they, the bottom fell out of the market and I lost everything and different things. I was a professional card counter. I owned, I owned bars, restaurants where, you know, I would just, I wouldn't have money, but I'd buy them on contract for deed and very, very driven. And when I invented my pillow, um, when I spent a year and a half inventing it, and and when I did get the first prototype already, I go, wow! I have a pillow now that you can now adjust. You can wash and dry it. It lasts ten years. And, but more importantly, it gives you the best sleep in history. Where you move it and it holds there. It. It's like it's like a customized pillow that you can adjust for yourself. Well, what well, co- what caused box
0: stores, what caused you to I invent watched, the thing? What I mean, I, I,
3: what caused me to invent is I had the same problem. Every I found out everybody has. I couldn't. I couldn't sleep, and it wasn't just because I was a cocaine addict. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll get into that. Was, uh, we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I couldn't sleep. My pillows would go flat. I'd use my arm. I'd wake up with headaches or neck aches. Um, I would. Uh, I was seeing a chiropractor. I'd come back, and three days later, it'd be you know, bad, uh, hurting again. And I knew it was uh, pillows. I knew it was about height, not firmness. Everybody wants a soft pillow, but they want it to stay there. Like if you adjust it for your neck, for your height, it's about sleeps about the distance from your head to your bed to hold that there. And, and that's, you know, down pillows being the worst where you use your arm and your pillows collapse and, and, uh, you know, you end up sleeping on your arm and your arm to asleep. But it was, that was the main problem. It was, uh, it was, it was, uh, I wanted to I wanted to be able to adjust it's the only product ever sold where we all have different shoe sizes and shirt sizes why don't they give us different pillow sizes <laughs> or for height and it would stay there
2: so when you so invented it did the, you did you was it immediate success did you put it into stores what did you no, do once you invented it no,
3: that, that's right right that's what I'm saying once I got the prototype I went into actually it was a bed bathroom beyond store I went in there first I said you know I go into these and then I went into multiple box stores I went in there with such passion I have the best pillow in history. Where's your buyer? Where's your buyer? <laughs> One of the stores said, "Um, you need to leave right now. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you, are, you are, you must be on drugs. You know, I, I, but I wasn't that day. And uh, <laughs> <but> anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, either that or Yes, I am. But um, um, anyway, I I was turned down everywhere, and someone said, "Mike, why don't you do a kiosk?" And I said, "How do you spell that?" <laughs> and I and uh, I ended up doing this kiosk. I didn't work many of the days. I mortgaged my house. We were completely broke at the time. We had four little kids, and um, I went all in. And there was there was one guy I sold a pillow to there, and he he said, "You have a business card." I said, "Oh, I'm all out." And I wrote it, my number on a piece of paper. And he happened to call in January of that year, and he said, "Are you the guy that invented this pillow for you You're from Minnesota?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, I run the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show." He said, "This pillow created a miracle in my life." it changed my life. He said, can you, uh, would you get, would you come in and get a boot, have a booth in my show? I said, sure. And I, and then I went into the show and I actually set the booth up differently. And, um, and with a table out front, cause I couldn't talk to people back then. There was a fear of unworthiness, rejection going all the way back as a kid. So I was very introverted at times. Well, anyway, I but being behind that table, I could st- I st- I could talk to people. I start selling, and it just took off, it exploded that day. I, I got in the Minnesota State Fair, and I did shows and fairs for like mm. seven years, wow. and and uh, to, but very you know going show to show and fair to fair and selling it anywhere anywhere there was people. But it was you know and during that time though that was a parallel railroad track. I was also then I was into crack cocaine. I was a crack addict, and so if I wasn't, you know, obviously I wouldn't be doing drugs at the shows. But it would be um, stealing from me and betrayal, and all these other things were happening. But it, so as January, you were as you're building
2: this business, as you're building this business, and you're going to all these shows, and you're going to all these fairs, and you're selling all these pillows, you you were a a, a, a crack a crack addict. You must have been
3: yeah, full blown, full blown, and I had to pick and choose if I did the shows. Nobody could, anybody that's been a crack addict, nobody, you get too paranoid, you're peeking out windows, and, and, but I would do, you know, um, I would, I would refrain from doing it. I I never broke trust with the show promoters, but I lost a 20-year marriage, I lost, um, uh, the company was just a pulse at times, because I, people that I broke bread with would try and steal it, I had other, other um uh, manufacturer that came in and said, hey, we can manufacture those for you. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to get a patent, so at least I could always make my own pillow. But I was told that, that I better get a patent because I would be, because it lasted 10 years and it was that if I didn't get a patent, that the big companies would go behind me and get a patent. It'd be like the cars that got 200 miles a gallon. They would never put it on the market. So on January 16, 2009, I quit all my, you know, I was, the pillow company, I had, it was down to just, I had basically lost everything where I was just doing a few shows and these guys that had worked for me, they copied the pillow and they were, they were taking everything um and it was it was uh really it was getting really bad and they
0: so your own employees um, ripped I, you off
3: Yeah, yeah, they took and they, they decided to leave and I was kind of an addict. I never I wasn't an addict you would think of that would use people. I gave them the shirt off my back. I was always a giver and they decided that they, you know, I, that they would basically steal the company. I had another company came in when I tried to uh actually help people buy into the company. And they did that and they fired me at the first board meeting. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, everybody tried to take my pillow. They tried to take it, either the manufacturing, copy it, take, steal it. I mean, and, uh, but on January 16, 2009, when I quit everything overnight, all my addictions, and I prayed to God, I said, free me from these and not have the desire. And, and anyway, uh, to add this story, so I wake up the next day and it's gone and I did end up going to a faith-based treatment center a couple of months later, but, but I, at that time I was so, I felt so relieved that I, and, and uh, I just wanted to go you know, get, get my company back every, I didn't have any money, nothing left, but I had to get $30,000 to buy back my fabric from the guys that had taken my, that were taking my company. And I went into these guys, I didn't even know a week later and they were, they were all wearing suits. And, um, uh, so the, uh, because I had this fear of talking. By then, you know, coming off drugs, I couldn't talk to two people in the same room. But anyway, I walked into this meeting. I didn't even know these guys to borrow 30000 with no collateral. And, uh, and I, I walked in there, and there's eight of them. There's a CEO, a CIEIO, a CFO, all these C's. And I'm going, <laughs> and I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a, and they're all wearing suits and ties. I'm wearing a T-shirt, holding a pillow and uh, with three <laughs> jars of my patented home. And they go. I said, "Yeah, I want to borrow thirty grand, and uh, I'll give you forty thousand back in two months. And I'm going to do home shows and fairs like I used to do." These guys took my company and all this. They're trying to take my, copy my pillow, and and I said, "I need that thirty grand cash to buy my fabric back. I used to be a crack cocaine addict. I'm going to do shows, and and the one guy goes, the one guy in the corner goes, well, when did you quit crack?'" And I said, last Thursday, <laughs> and he got, and four, of them, four of them got up and left the room and the other four sitting there listened to me, but I had such passion. It was so <laughs> believable. They ended up doing it. Wow. I think God just said, here, this is a divine appointment. And, um, I wow. walked out of there. They didn't even check my license. The reason I know that is because I didn't have one, but there was a uh, but then then it got up to on December, on October 7, 2011, um, every, you know, I started doing home shows in bears again. I said, you know what, if no one's going to take my pillow, I'm going to bring it right to the people and I'm going to do an infomercial. And we went to film it on the night before we filmed it in August of 2011. A friend or I mean, they brought in a real producer and it, we were doing our reads. And the guy said he texted the other guy said this is the worst guy I've ever seen. He's never going to make it on TV. Why did you even invite me here? And uh-huh. that, but it aired October seventh, two thousand eleven. I was living in my sister's basement, and it, and I had like five employees. And forty days later, I had five hundred employees.
2: After the infomercial aired.
3: Yeah. After what a it aired, what
2: a what a really a- really great story.
0: You know, Mike. And you know I, I, what I, I what I appreciate is the forthrightness because one thing about the Rich Dad radio shows, we say it's the good news and the bad news. And a lot right. of times, people only tell the good news. You know, one day I was broke, and the next day I'm a multimillionaire, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm, I'm my life right. is perfect, well, they, well, everybody's happy, which is a bunch of BS. So I thank oh, you for absolutely. being so now, forthright. Let me, let me... So hold, hold what you're gonna say, it's a fabulous story, and I just want to commend you, and thank you for being so forthright. When we come back, Mike, will be going more into what he's learned, but most important, You guys are hearing it from him directly, and guess what? The story gets worse. We'll be right back.
1: (laughs) You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki.
4: Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com.
0: What is your number one expense in life? Your number one expense. It's taxes. And I will ask the question is, how come there's no financial education in school, but why isn't there education on taxes either? You know, they tell you to save money, which is stupid. They tell you to invest in the stock market, which is stupid. But what they teach you about taxes. So here we have Rich Dad advisor, Tom Wheelwright. We're talking about his revision for his book, Tax-Free Wealth. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Robert. So what's the tax-free wealth about? What, what's different this time, it's a revised edition? Well, so what we did was, is we ha- this is the first major tax reform we've had in 30 years. 2017 right. was 86 was the last one. 86 was last one back right. when i was in washington dc so many guys got wiped out because of that tax change <laughs> they did they yeah. did it wiped out an entire industry savings and loans this new tax law is just as big but in a very different way it affects different industries you know the tax law is always a series of incentives and the question is always which incentives and which ones apply to me and so the, the key to revising tax-free wealth was what is it? what changed so much in this new tax law that we can absolutely take advantage of the, I mean, seriously, the amazing incentives, for example. I mean, the bonus depreciation, for example, for real estate is unbelievable. You buy a million a dollar apartment, get a $300,000 deduction or more the very first year. So if you want to make more money and pay less taxes like Donald Trump and myself, get Tom's book, Tax-Free Wealth.
1: It pays to listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show.
0: Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, and The Rich Dad Radio Show. So many people live in La La Land, somewhere over the rainbow. If I do this, then I'll be happy. If I become a millionaire, I'll be happy. If I vent this product, I'll be happy. If I get married, I'll be happy. And those days really do not exist. So today we're talking to Mike Lindell. He's the inventor and CEO of My Pillow. And again, we're an international program, and my pillow is one of the most successful products ever made. And it, Mike took a pillow, which is something most of us have seen and used, but he took it and built a multi-millionaire business out of it. But it's not really about the pillow; it's about the process of being such a fabulous entrepreneur. So once again, you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive it because repetition is how we learn. So if you listen to this interview again with Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, and especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be happy, or you're a crack cocaine addict, or whatever addict you are, because everybody's addicted to something, you listen to this program again, you'll pick up even more the second and third time But more importantly, discuss this program with fans, family, and especially business associates, especially those who are stealing from you. You've got to be very careful today. So once again, that's at richdadradio.com. This program is archived. Any comments, Kim?
2: Well, what I like about Mike's story is, you know, similar to how we started with Rich Dad Poor Dad with the cash flow game, we did things kind of backwards because people said, this is the way you're supposed to do it. This is how publishing works. This or it'll is how, never work. This is how the game industry it, works. If you
0: build it, people will they come and, and all that stuff. And all we, the doubters.
2: Yeah, and we went against everything that they said. And this is what Mike's been saying. He's went up against everything that people are telling him how to do it. And he's like, I'm going to do it this way. And even in the infomercial business, I mean, you're one of Mike. You're one of the most recognized people in the U.S. because of your of your infomercials, they're everywhere and on the radio and everybody knows you and recognizes you. And I did, right, I did right,
0: infomercials yeah. too, Mike, and then the, the producer said the same thing, because I got into a fight with them. They
2: wanted you I'm, to read a script. Yeah. And Mike doesn't do a script, right? right. right? And, and right?
0: I, I said, yeah. look, I can't read. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> I said, I refuse to say what you want me to say. I refuse to say it. And he and right. I went toe That's to what toe.
3: I, I go, yeah, I go through that, and you know, you know, back when we did that infomercial, we went. He wasn't too far off. We went out there the next day to film, and there was a real audience and a friend of mine. And I was, I was so scared. And they did have a script, and I said, and I, it took nine takes to read that script for one line. And I said, I just want to do this naturally, and I, I want to make it like real to the people, the yes. truth. And and we did it, and uh, um, we we did it in the one day there. And and now. What happened, though, was I just wanted to make pillows. Then they go, Mike, we exploded from five to 500 employees. They go, Mike, you need to be CEO. I go, well, Why do I need to be a CEO? I just want to, we got to get these pillows out. And we need an <laughs> HR department. I said, That sounds horrible. We need a corporate attorney. I said, That even sounds worse. And we uh, took, and we took, uh, and we took uh, um, the next six months, I took in $100 million. I called my friend, I go, Tom, do you know that ETMs don't go to the fifth or the seventh digit? He goes, no, Mike, I didn't know that. Well, I, it was just surreal for me. But at, when the dust cleared in June, I was almost $6 million in debt, and I didn't use a bank. And I'm going, God, I said, what am I, I'm praying, I'm going, what am I, what am I going to do? I can't, the rest of my life is what, ruined. What, so what, when, what, ha, what
2: What happened? How did you get from a million dollar what, revenue what, to six right. million in the hole?
3: Well, what, to a hundred million I took in six million. In what happened was I went to companies and I said, um, is this the best deal you have? I said, I'm going to sell. I predicted I would do that much and nobody could believe me. So they go, oh yeah, that's the best price you know for that. So I didn't negotiate prices, but more important is we were buying media and nobody knew if it was the right media. I had other people doing that, and other companies doing that. So basically, it was kind of like greed on steroids. Everyone was being greedy. Everyone was going, "Wow, taking advantage of this, of this phenomenon." This, that no one's no how far infomercial had been that successful at that time, ever. And anyway, with that, but I'll tell you what: if you're an entrepreneur out there any deviations or blocks deviations is what you really got to look at and i looked at 2012 and i took everything in house all my own advertising everything every spot everything is, is done now it comes right through us where we track every single outlet like it's my like it's our only business i remember when i had no money on the road so like let's say it's a let's say it's a newspaper in dubuque iowa i might uh Um, I'll treat that just like it's my only one. And if it doesn't make its number, if it doesn't break even or make money, I don't run an ad in it. It, And uh, if there's a spot on TV, it either has to break even or make money a little bit. And, and I learned so much from 2012, which would have been that anyone else would have said, this is devastating. It's over. And we just picked everything up and just moved on and learned. And it it took a long time to dig out of that. Um, But we did dig out and, and then I it got to be 2014, and I and we did a one and a two minute commercial. And then I started. I did print. Everything I did was different. They go, Mike, you need an actor to be in your in your thing. And I said, <laughs> I said, Why? I don't have money to be to pay someone some some big star to be in there. And I said, You need to brand. I said, I don't have money to brand. I I, I need to make you know to to make money here. Well, they. And then they did a newspaper ad, and instead of having some lady, beautiful lady, acting like she's sleeping on a bed or a pillow, here's some here's some geek holding a pillow, <laughs> some guy going, you know, the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own, you know. And but people, re- they resonated what was real. And I wrote the I wrote the ad myself, a newspaper ad. PR companies are calling me, going, "What did you write this ad yourself? This is horrible. We can make you so much money." Yes, yes, and yes. Going, and so this, so we learned, I just learned a lot from that. And then, and we, once we got back and then I, I just, um, things, you know, doing all our own advertising and keeping control on it and be a micromanage and macromanage, but, um, being able to, as an entrepreneur to learn those deviations and, and by the way, my, my, my the patents, when you get a patent, um, yeah, patents are important because you can at least always make the product yourself. That My pillow would have been shut down a long time ago, and they would have never put it on the market because it lasts 10 years. But, but um, I always tell entrepreneurs, there is no better time than right now, especially in the U.S., because... Everything with jobs up so much now and wages, you have a safety net that I didn't have or that not many people have have like they have right now. You can go out. I see entrepreneurs taking chances and and inventing great products and getting into business for themselves because if they fail, they can go get a great job anywhere, you know, and that's what's nice to have that now. But otherwise, people live in fear. And when you you said before on your show about entrepreneurs, uh, you know, once you get like right now, I have. Um, 1,500 employees we take in, we're a half a billion dollar company. And and I, I haven't changed. And I'm for me, my happiness lies in the fact that um, I have so much passion for people say, Mike, how do you have this much passion for a pillow 15 years later? Because it helps people. I love helping people. That's my calling. My pillow's is just a bigger platform, anyway, for God and for evangelism and and helping addicts give and back. And you you actually so employ important. you
2: actually employ uh, many re- recovering addicts, don't you?
3: Oh, absolutely, and I've got a network starting now where across the country with the president's help and, and, and the administration helping addicts. That's, that's my thing. I want to wipe out the opiate addiction in this country wow. and uh, with it within, within just as fast as it came on. Well, what, yeah, well Mike, Mike one, of the, one of the great
0: stories I heard about you is that the guys you used to buy the crack from finally became, they rescued you too, right? They cut you off. Well yeah, players. yeah,
3: that's a that's a great story. So back in 2008, um, you know, and you and anybody out there, everybody's got dreams and and we but we don't. I think so many people have lost hope. I never lost hope, but it was uh, and but it was in truth, it was in March of 2008, and uh, I was downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was I had been up for 14 days doing crack. And things were so bad. I came out of a, I was downtown. I came out of the bedroom or bathroom, I guess. And the biggest drug dealers in the cities were standing there and they knew of each other, but they had never met. And I go, what's going on? They go, um, you're getting cut off. I go, what is this, an intervention? <laughs> they, go, you, they go, you call it whatever you want. And the one guy said, he goes, I'm, he he's well, not getting my, anything from my guys. And he left in disgust. The other one went down to the street and it was his house and he never came back. So now I looked down, I had a couple of crack rocks left, and and I smoked them. And the the other guy that had called the intervention, he fell asleep. So at 2.30 in the morning, I went down to the streets, and I could not buy crack anywhere. They had gotten the word out. I, I come upstairs an hour later, and I walked in, and he's sitting there, and he goes, How'd that work out for you? And he goes, give me your phone. And he took a picture. He says, "You're going to need that for your book." He says, "You've been telling us for years that this pillow thing is just a platform for God, and you're going to come back and help us all some days get out of this, get out of this addiction and this this a uh, world we're living in down here." Those guys work for me now, and they've wow. you know that was my dream. That's it wasn't great, like at that time great,
2: going. Right, that's, that's that's right, fantastic. That's a great story. That's, Such a hey, great Mike, story. Mike, yeah.
0: Mike. One more story I want you to tell. So, congratulations. You. You know, that's really the. The best story ever is you help each other get off your addictions. But also, <laughs> advertising has caused problems with the Better Business Bureau, the state of California, and they want to. They, they come after you no matter how much good you do, these jo- so-called elites you create. come after you. Jobs I you mean, you create all these jobs, jobs yeah. in Minnesota and the Better Business right. Bureau of Minnesota comes after you, California comes after you, they want to shut you down. What, hey, hey, what, hey, what's what's staff, with staff,
3: all, staff, all that? One more. Let, Let's add one more crooked group to that. That's called truthinadvertising.org. dot org. Now, back then, in two thousand sixteen, I met Donald Trump. He reached out to me. I walked into his office, and I wasn't political. I was an ex crack addict. I didn't know anything about politics, and I was like a, a somebody with a clean slate that came out of a coma. And anyway, he reached out to me, and I walked in his office in Trump Tower in New York, and. We sat down and talked about the inner city. He said what he was going to do, how he was going to bring the jobs back and how he was so proud of my pillow having all these jobs here in the USA and when I walked out of his office I said, "You know what? I went all in. I had people on my board warn me, "You can't do that. You're going to hurt our business." And well, they were kind of right because as soon as I went all in, the better business hero and they just it was all political them, the truthinadvertising.org, the lawyers in California, they all came after my pillow, And that's one of the things that I'm going to fight for the little entrepreneurs in this country, get law changes done and get rid of corrupt groups like that.
0: Michael, thank, thank you. you very much, a fantastic story. Thanks for all that you do. So when we come back, we're going to the most popular <laughs> part of our program, which is Ask Robert Fennell, Mike Lindell, inventor, CEO of MyPillow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike.
1: Thanks for having me on, you guys. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki.
4: Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com.
1: Financial freedom begins with financial education. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show.
0: Welcome back. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. Once again, we archive them because repetition is the best way to learn. And this is a very important show, especially for those of you who wanna be an entrepreneur. So if you have friends, family, or business associates, especially business associates, listen to it because you never know whose pocket their hands are in. Be very careful. And I wanna thank uh, mike Lindell again he is the inventor and CEO of My, My Pillow. His website is mypillow.com and mike lindell l i n d e l l dot And I realize we're an international program, and for those of you outside the U.S., he is he is constantly on the air. Very successful man, but he had to he's had to overcome many many personal problems like his addictions, and finally finally religion or Christ to overcome his challenges. Because what happens a lot of times when you become successful, your dark side gets successful also. So you gotta be very careful. And we all have addictions. Another thing too is we support people being Republican or Democrat, that we're not politically motivated at all, and any religion is fine with us. So we don't support any of those. Right, Kim?
2: That's correct. That's correct. And yeah, I got to tell you, you know, talk about perseverance. I mean, this guy, Mike, is so passionate. But the other key is he's not just passionate. He can sell. (laughs) And I would recommend, if you've never seen him, I would go to his website, mypillow.com, and watch him. I'm sure there's clips there. And you can see, I mean, he's not like this handsome debonair guy, he's just a regular Joe and he's just passionate about his product and about helping people. And I think for entrepreneurs it's a great example of someone also, that's out there just keeps going. He keeps also going. did
0: say he couldn't sell, he just sat yeah. at the state fairs and he demonstrated his product. And that's how you learn, you get better and better. You know, it's, a, it's a very interesting word that most academics don't understand, it's called you have to make mistakes. You, know, you make mistake, you correct, make mistakes, you correct, make mistakes, you correct. But in the real world, it's called practice. You gotta practice. Or in, in theater, it's called rehearsals. And you practice and rehearse, and you know, Kim has seen me practice and rehearse, practice and rehearse, make mistakes, correct, get people leave the room and all this, but I, I don't quit. And I think that's really the secret to his success, right?
2: Yeah, oh he never quit. Oh man, he he had so many obstacle after obstacle ap- after obstacle and he never took no for an answer. And and you know the other thing is that people would say this is the way to do it and he goes, No, that's not the way I'm gonna do it. Because he knew his he knew his, his he knew his customer and he knew his product. And it's it's not any different from you, Robert. <laughs> you know your customer, you know your product.
0: And and what I what I appreciate is a lot of these so called suits, you know, they think that people like myself and Lindell are stupid and they're the ones who are stupid. They're really stupid people. They're academic types, executive types, corporate types, but they can't, the reason they're that way is because they can't sell. They can't raise capital, and they can't do any of that stuff. So they attack people that can And that's why he's talking about Trump. He's not political, but when he met Trump, you know, know, Kim and I have worked with the same staff that uh, Mike is talking about. They're fabulous people. And these people who attack Trump who don't even know them, I have really nothing to say to them. You know, so you guys don't even know the guy, you just attack him for whatever reason. Of course, he's, he says, Trump says things he shouldn't say. But other than that, you know, I mean, they just want to attack. So anyway, I remember it was a great show with Mike Lindell. Once again, you can submit your questions to ask Robert at richdadradio.com. So Melissa, what's the first question?
4: Our first question today, Robert, comes from Chad in Missouri. Favorite book, Cash Flow Quadrant. He says, I'm starting a business and my question is, how do you attract investors when starting out?
0: You got a sale boy. You know, you just get knocked down, stand up, knock down, stand up, knock down, and every time you correct, you know, like when Kim and I were trying to raise money for that, um, it was a, our our first big apartment house con, you know, place in Aloha, Oregon or something. We got turned down every time a banker turned us down for the money. We just simply said, so what? Tell me, okay. So you said no. Why? What aren't we telling you? What do you want to know that we're not? Why did you say no to us? It's the most important question you can ask. Why did you say no? Remember that,
2: Kim? Oh, I remember that well. And we actually did. Go, we actually. We, you just have to go out there, and you gotta. You gotta. They're not going to come to you. You got to go to them. And I still remember our friend in Toronto. And we called him, and we sent him the the, the deal. And he said, "I'm in for fifty percent." And he was a really, really smart, uh, smart real estate guy. And we, but the bankers kept saying no. The bankers kept saying no. But but then too, we when he said yes, we're like, "Well, he knows. He really knows what a good deal is. So this must be a really good deal." So now we're like, "We're going to do it ourselves." And so again, we went back to the banks yeah. and we got creative. And
0: we just kept talking. And finally, it was. Yeah. One of our favorite guys in our whole life, his mm-hmm. name is David Riffle. Yep. David, if you listen to this, bless you, man. <laughs> because he looked down and I made my, probably my 20th presentation. They're all saying no, because Kim and I had no money. My my credit rating was in the toilet. Kim was great, mine was horrible. And they kept saying no, and finally, I remember David. Yep. He sat there at his bank, he pulled open his drawer and he says, well, I can't say yes to you until you fill this form out. That?
2: Oh yeah, he said, even if I was to consider this, even if we, this, and it's and it's crazy that I would consider this, you would need to sign this document here. So we sign the document and then he goes, congratulations, you have the money. Yeah. So, and so that's it, really, it where, great most people, that's great really where
0: most people don't have it. They don't have the ability, it's called guts, I don't know what other word to call it, guts and humility, to learn. Oh, well, they turned me down, you know, that's what really upsets me about most of these guys running running for office and there's lots of guts to run for political office, but they're all attacking Trump and I'm going, Holy mackerel, you know I mean holy mackerel.
2: Well look at look at Mike Lindell and listen to it listen to the show again and he talks about wanting to raise thirty thousand dollars and he goes into this office with all these suits and he's pitching, 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 pitchin', and then he says, "Oh, and by the way, um, I'm I'm not on drugs anymore. I'm I'm not on crack anymore. I was a crack addict, but I'm not anymore." Oh, so how long have you been off crack? Oh, a few days, <laughs> last, since last Thursday. <laughs> and four guys leave the room, but he got the money. He didn't quit. He kept going. He kept pitching to these other guys that were still in the room, and he got the money. And he That's said he didn't want to be.
0: He didn't want to be the CEO. He didn't want to be anything similar to me. I don't want to run the company. But you gotta be very careful because all, you know. I started with a nylon and velcro surfer wallet business back in the 70s. And almost everybody steals, I hate to say that. You gotta be very careful, you gotta have your checks and balances in there. So it was my CFO, Stanley, the CPA, who stole my money. And then uh, when Kim and I were really successful, we went to very famous accounting firm, Arthur Anderson, they tried to steal our money, and the, I, I sit there and I can't, I can't believe it. These guys are some of the most famous guys on earth, big name corporate guys, and thank God they're out of business in a few years later because they're so corrupt. I can't believe how much, how many people have to steal today. They're so desperate for money. I just don't understand it. But anyway, that's life. That's what we go through every day. Next question, Melissa.
4: Robert, our next question comes from Evan in Phoenix, Arizona. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, my question is how to protect your business. I understand asset protection, and even though you hire attorneys and try to insulate your business, people will try to steal your ideas. What are some of the ways you and Kim protect your businesses?
0: Well, Kim and I, our track record isn't – our track record is much like – L- Mike like because <laughs> we've always hired CEOs and presidents, because yeah. I don't want to run a company. I, I'm, I like being an entrepreneur, but I'm not an executive. And as I said, starting with my nylon and Velcro ball business in the 70s, the guys I hired all turned out to be crooks. And not that they're crooks, they just they just see so much money coming in, they can't help themselves because they don't know how to make the money. I think that's the problem. People are so addicted to money, and that's why Mike was talking, his addiction to crack cocaine. Everybody's addicted to something. And unless you recognize that addiction, then you really can't make it. I mean, I work, you know, I personally work on my addictions a lot because I'm addicted. You know, I, I eat too much, I get nervous, um, I lose my temper at times when I get, a, when I get, those are, those are addictions. So I don't pretend to be perfect, and I think that's what really disappoints me when you have these people who sit there smiling with their little you know, big smiles and they're stealing
2: they're stealing and lying. They don't have the guts to tell you the truth. Any comments like (laughs) you? you know, there you can only do so much to protect your business. I mean, you got the uh, the corporate attorneys, and you do the patents and the trademarks and all. You, but it's a really, especially in the U.S., it's very litigious. And people, if you have money, people want some of it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. so you can only protect yourself so much. Um, but you just do the best you can.
0: And it's getting worse. You yeah, know, though, getting, as pretty, as yeah. as the national debt and corporate debt rises and all that people have to make more and more money just to survive. You know, look at this gap between the rich and everybody else. And so when people are struggling just to make, you know, buy food and health care and going to college, people are desperate today. And they could be very nice people, you know, they wear nice clothes and drive nice cars, but people are so desperate because the people that are stealing from us are start at the very top, you know, from our government to central banks and Wall Street. They've been stealing from us for years and that's kind of why the Rich Dad company was formed was to provide people a little bit of financial education to protect yourself from the very people you should be trusting. You know I mean, look at the Fed, the Federal Reserve Bank. they've been, they've been ripping off the world, selling the world these toxic assets called credit default swap, MBS's, uh, CDOs, collateralized debt obligations. and they ripped off the world. And the Fed said, okay, I'll back you up. The Fed, the Fed is bankrolling Wall Street along with the U.S. Treasury. And I sit there going, and I say, okay, and then I meet these financial planners, and say, well, you should just invest for the long term in the stock market. I'm going, jeez, how can you be so stupid? But most people are. They just want somebody to tell them what to do, right, Yeah.
2: Uh, that's what most people just want, the simple answer, the quick fix. Yeah, tell me what to do. Yeah. But as talking to Mike Lindell, you can see there is no quick fix. <laughs> there no. is no magic pill. You just got to get out there. And he—he he, to me is the epitome of the, the street smart, gritty, persevering entrepreneur. Right. And I love his story. With a big heart. With I mean, a big heart.
0: Yes. Fifteen hundred jobs. Many of them addicts like him even hired the crack addicts who are supplying him, <laughs> clean them good up. Story. You know. So there's always something more than money. And I'm afraid most people don't have that other thing that's more important than money. They'll steal from anybody. So thank you again for listening to Rich Dad Radio. You can submit your questions to Ask Robert, again, at richdadradio.com.
3: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.